God bless you as you take your seats. Awesome. Well, this last week, we've just had New Zealand and Beyond Conference. And uh, I just want to take a moment to just thank you, Life Church, those that volunteered at the conference, because you made an incredible impression on people, and you were a fantastic blessing to the body of Christ. Uh, I was talking with Alan Scott, one of the speakers at the conference, if you were here, and he picked up three things about our church from just his experience, and I thought, they're fantastic things to share with you because they are who we are. He said what he noticed about our people was an incredible level of servanthood. He said he noticed that we're a church that have excellence as one of our values, and he noticed that we're a church full of generous-hearted people. He said, giving is an action, but generosity is a culture. Wow. Now, we talk about culture. Culture is not what we say it is. Culture is what people experience when they're with us. Yeah. Is that not true? Yeah, right. So for him to name those three things for me was a great blessing. Yeah. And I just want to say, if you volunteered at New Zealand and Beyond, yeah. thank you for all your effort and all your work. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. so proud of our church family. But I, I want to share a few things today that I felt God speak to me about during New Zealand and Beyond Conference. So it'll be a little bit all over the show probably, but I really feel that I need to share this out of obedience because I've been speaking to the church on obedience, so it's best that I be obedient to what I felt God say. Here's the first thing. It's really, really simple. I was just in worship and I felt God say, I want you to tell Life Church that I love them. God loves you. He really does. And I had a moment where he encouraged my heart around this because as I waited on that, I realized that, you know, God knows every single situation that's in this room today. God knows all of it. He knows what you worry about. He knows what's causing stress on the inside. He knows your mistakes. He knows your wrong thinking. He knows the areas of disobedience in each one of our lives where we're simply not giving God control and we're not doing what God has asked of us. He knows how you feel about Him. Some of you have great joy in the Lord today and some of you have hidden disappointments in Him. Some of you feel you've not done enough for God and somehow maybe you feel you've missed His plan for your life. Some of us live with deep regrets over decisions we've made. And God's response to all of that is that he loves you. He knows it all, but he loves you. Isn't that encouraging? Well, I feel it is, because I feel if, if that's all I said today, and that's all you got, I could sit down and you would go home blessed. That even though God knows everything that's going on in your heart, in your life, in your thinking, God still loves you. It doesn't change how much He loves you. Take a moment this week to think that through, because that's a great blessing in your life. But I threw that one in for free. See, it's from that place of God's love that we serve Him. It's from that place of knowing God's love that we get our identity from. It's the knowledge of His love. I also want to share with you this morning a personal story, and that's out of obedience as well. But I want to begin first with the story of Joshua 
and the Israelites conquering Jericho. We see in chapter 5 of Joshua that Joshua is scouting out the city of Jericho. And the Bible says he looked up and he saw a man standing before him with a sword drawn. Now the imagery there is that Joshua actually gets a surprise that there's a warrior standing in front of him. And Joshua's response is, are you for us or are you against us? And this man answers, neither. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua falls on his face in reverence and says, what would the Lord want to say? His messenger is listening. His, his servant is listening. Interesting moment. He recognized this is the commander of the Lord's army. This is not just some random soldier that he's met while scouting out Jericho. It's pretty cool. He's told to remove his sandals for where he stands is holy ground. In other words, this is now a place where God is about to reveal himself. And then the Lord speaks to Joshua. And I love this and says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hand. Joshua is standing scouting this impenetrable city, thinking, how will we win a victory and a great victory? And the Lord appears to him and says, today I will deliver Jericho into your hands. Look at Joshua 6 verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and its strong warriors. But then the Lord gives what feels like strange orders to Joshua. He says to him, you are to march around the city once a day for six days. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times. And when you hear a loud blast of the trumpets, have everyone give a large shout and the walls of Jericho will come down. Now, from the enemy's perspective, this would have been a complete laugh. The walls of Jericho are impenetrable. No one goes in and no one comes out, the Bible says. And for the soldiers of the Israelite army, why not just engage in the battle? I mean, if the Lord has spoken and said that we're going to have a great victory, why the strange march around the walls? Why not just engage right now in the battle? Seems strange instructions, but the Lord had given Joshua clear instructions. There was a journey for them to go on. And one of the characteristics of Joshua's leadership was obedience. Obedience had led to breakthroughs in Joshua's life. If you get a chance to read the story, you'll see that this angel, this commander of the Lord's army, doesn't actually appear in the story again. The stranger was a heavenly being who fought behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. His presence was a sign that the Lord was the real military leader of the conquest of Jericho. That's what assured the victory. And of course, there was a great victory. Now, the point I want to make is this, that God could have defeated Jericho in an instant. Couldn't he? He could have decided, well, I've already handed it over to you, so why not just defeat him now? Why not just bring down the walls this day? But he chose that Joshua would lead the people and the people would walk in obedience and put their trust completely in God day after day. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Now, I want to tag my story onto this. Many of you will know that in August 2015, 
on a Saturday, I got very, very sick all of a sudden. A long story short, I ended up with major blood clots in both of my lungs. My specialist, re my specialist recently told me that he, when he saw the report, it would normally result in death. Now, in the last two and a bit years, it has been a massive journey of recovery, long and slow. Now, some people get an instant miracle. Some people get an instant breakthrough. But mine was a slow and progressive journey of recovery. As I was pondering this this week at New Zealand Beyond Conference and felt God say, I want you to share that, it was no less of a miracle that I received my healing slow and in a process than had it happened in an instant. I'm now able to report that I am healthy and according to the specialist, have made incredible and absolutely incredible recovery. Now, I'm still on two blood thinners a day for the rest of my life, but I am giving glory to God for my healing. Yet it's been a journey. The reality for me is that I wanted an instant healing and an instant breakthrough. And yet God, in His ways, took me on a journey. I want transformation in my life to be instant. Does anybody else? I want the breakthroughs in my life to come instantly. I know that we are already victorious. And yet, for my journey and my life, it was a process to breakthrough. Some people receive an instant miracle. I love that. The Word we see instant miracles and breakthroughs, and we see it, and I pray, and I say, God, do that again. But we also see the God of the journey and the process. We see Israel in the desert. We see the stories of people who have had to do a journey to go through a process. We see in Psalm 23 that he is the good shepherd. Why? He's the shepherd of the journey. He does the journey with people. And it's not always instant, but it's no less miraculous because it's a process and a journey. And what I felt during conference is to say to you, don't get stuck on the fact that it doesn't come in an instant and then get disappointed and miss out on the journey of breakthrough and the process that God wants to take you on. In fact, when I read the Bible, more times than not, it's a journey and a process. Some are on my wrong mindsets that I've had throughout my life, I've carried about myself, have taken some years, and some are still taking time to see a progressive transformation. Now, we don't stop believing God for the instant. Please hear my heart. We say, God, we see you, the God of instant miracles. Do it again. But we also don't despise God in the midst of the journey. We keep trusting God through the process. We trust that God knows what He's doing. If God asks us to circle the city for six days and then do it seven times on the seventh day and then shout with a loud voice and God asks us to do that journey, we will trust God in the process. Don't despise God in the journey or the time that it takes. It may be like Joshua. You have to go round and round and circle the same opposition or the same obstacle 
many times, but trust that God is in control and ultimately your breakthrough will come. In the midst of my own process toward healing, I've had to try and get fit. I've had to try and do some work. God has shown me some things about my lifestyle in the midst of the process that needed to change to get genuine health and to be healthy. God has been in the process of my recovery. And I love hearing the specialist say, it's an incredible recovery. He said to me, I didn't think we'd ever see you fully recover from what you went through. And there I was sitting with a big smile on my face thinking, I feel great. In fact, I felt okay actually off and on throughout the whole process. But to be able to sit with him and say, I feel great, I know was a miracle. Let the story of Jericho Remind you that the Lord is the one who fights for you and on your behalf, even if you don't see him. Let the story of slow process to healing remind you to trust in the goodness of God. Invite the Lord of the breakthrough to do it again. Lord, in our own lives and through Scripture, we see the instant miracles, don't we? We also see the journey of breakthrough and the journey of promise. So that's what I felt God say. I am with them. Tell them I'm with them. Tell them I'm there in the journey. Don't quit. Don't stop trusting God in the midst of uncertainty. Well, I feel like really preaching this. Keep reaching out for your breakthrough. Don't stop trusting God for your breakthrough. Keep trusting in the promise that God is faithful in everything. He's faithful in the instant, and He's faithful in the process. Don't quit on God. Whoever you are, where you're disappointed and you feel like quitting, don't quit on God. Trust Him in the midst of the journey. He can walk us through the storm. God is with you. Don't stop trusting in God. It may feel like, God, what are you doing? Listen, the Israelite soldiers would have been thinking, why on earth? Does Joshua have us walking around the walls of Jericho like this? We're fighting men. We want to fight. We don't want to walk. But they had to walk in obedience to what the Lord had said. Now listen, trust God in the journey. Trust Him. Worship team, can you come back and join me? We're going to break up my two messages this morning with a song. And we are going to sing this morning this song, Do It Again. There's a line in the song that says this, I am still in your hands. You know, as we sung that at conference, I made a decision in my heart, Lord, that will always be my declaration. I want that to be your declaration today, Life Church, that no matter what you face, I have put my, ha- my life in the hands of the Lord. It goes on a little later and it says, Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. That powerful in the midst of waiting for Jesus to bring about your breakthrough. The declaration is, Jesus, you're still enough. Even if I don't receive it, this side of eternity, Jesus, you're still enough. I keep my life within your hands. And if you catch nothing else, today I pray in that faith would rise within you to say, no matter what you are journeying right now, you would never take your life out of his hands. You say, God, my hands. Jesus, you're still enough.
before me. The song, do it again. I want us to now just take this moment, sing the song together. I want you to have a moment to declare that truth over your life and your situation. I'm still in your hands. Jesus is enough. But I want to encourage you to really let yourself declare the truth of the song. Do you know that I started off by saying God knows every situation. God knows everything you're facing. God knows every wrong thought. God knows the sickness in your body. God understands the mental illness that some face. God knows the the struggles in your heart. And He loves you all the same. Our response to that is, I would never take my life out of the hands of an all-loving God. I keep my life in your hands. Would you stand with me? We sing this for the next few minutes, and then I'll come back and we'll carry on.
place your hand on if you can on the area where you're sick or where your body is unwell. We're just going to take a moment just believe in faith for something to change and shift in your life because I still believe the Word of God to be true. Holy Spirit right now we just release you to bring healing to the sickness that is in people's bodies. Lord we thank you that you do heal that you do bring breakthrough in the area of healing. And so right now we pray, Holy Spirit, would you touch every sickness, every injury, every pain in Jesus' name. And would you bring the miracle and bring the healing in the name of Jesus. We just ask even now, Lord, we would get testimony of healing and breakthrough in people's lives. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can grab a seat. Thank you, team. The team's just going to stay with me because I promised them the second part of my message will be shorter than the first. Here's the second thing I felt to share with you today. And the text that we're going to use is John 7, verse 37 to 38. It says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This is a great passage that has become a prayer in my heart as I prepared this message. And the prayer went like this, Lord, if I will make a difference in lives wherever I go, whoever I come into contact with, I need rivers of living water to flow out of me. By this, Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit that would later be poured out at Pentecost. In this verse, we see that Jesus spoke in a loud voice. It's actually the same verb translated, cried out. In other words, Jesus wanted to make sure that everyone who was there could hear his claims. Of course, the setting for this is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. The last day was the day of spiritual observance including an offering to God. 
The feast came about as a memorial to the wandering in the wilderness where water and food were scarce. When God's people emerged from the wilderness and from the desert into the land of Canaan, they enjoyed regular rainfall and plentiful crops. And the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles included daily the priest drawing water from the pool of Siloam and pouring it out liberally at the altar. The pouring of the water as an offering was in memory of God's provision for thirsty people in the wilderness. Now this was a collective offering. It was performed by the priests for all the people. But in verse 38, Jesus cries out, whoever believes in me as scripture has said, he's requiring an individual response of faith rather than just a collective observance or ritual. And Jesus is referring to those who respond in faith to him as scripture has said, would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that would soon be poured out. And here's what I was left with wondering. I wonder if today in the church, we are much thirstier than we realize. I wonder if in our faith, we're maybe even a little dehydrated. As the priest would pour liberally the water at the altar. God has promised to pour out the Holy Spirit on those who believe in Christ Jesus. And our lives are designed to be daily surrendered to the Lord. Look at Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I wish I had time to stop, but when we have the spirit in us, it moves us to serve God, it moves us to follow in his ways, it doesn't move us to be better behaved in our human effort. The Spirit moves us to keep His decrees and be careful in all His ways to keep His laws. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to live effective lives as representatives of Christ. As I said, it's not in our own human effort. Our part in it is we surrender to Jesus. We live daily in a place of surrender and it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are transformed from the inside out. And I wondered in my own life why some of my journey was so slow. And the revelation I received this week, some of you go, you should have known this, mate, was that I tried to do a lot in my own effort to be good enough, to behave well enough, to change bad habits. And what I really needed was a heart of flesh that God put in me and the spirit of the living God on the inside that would bring about true and complete transformation. The church is helpless without the person of the Holy Spirit. As I said last week, the Holy Spirit is not a power for us to get a hold of, but the Holy Spirit wants to get a hold of us and use us. I wonder if the Holy Spirit 
really has a hold of us. What I know is that the Holy Spirit is attracted to those who surrender to Jesus, those who respond to Him and keep their life in His hands. The Holy Spirit is attracted to that and Jesus cries out in a moment, put your faith in me. Put your faith in me. Surrender your life to me. Believe in me as the Scriptures have said. And I feel so strongly our part is surrender. And He gives us the Holy Spirit. And then rivers of living water can flow out of us. As I said out of that passage of Scripture, my prayer became, Lord, I want to help people in their journey of life. I want many people because of my life to know you the way I know you. To get a revelation of Jesus with a revelation that I received. To know Him the way I know Him. To know Him and believe in Him as Scripture has said. As Jesus Christ changed my life. And I was in prayer saying, Lord, I want many more people to know you. What's going on with me, Lord? How come there's not hundreds of people following you because of me? And I felt Jesus just speak gently into my heart and say, it's not about your human effort. It's good. You want to please me. You want to do it. But actually, you just need rivers of living water to flow out of you. It's the Holy Spirit within you that will bring about change in people's lives wherever you go. And I recognize my job, love people. Love them with all my heart. Let the Spirit of God touch their life. That's why He sends us out as the church into the community, into the business world, wherever He sends us because He's placed the Spirit of God within us that living waters would flow out of us and change society and change lives. That's why His plan is both church gathered and church scattered. Our part, just surrender. And so in my prayer time in that moment, it just became again that sense of, Lord, I just surrender to you. Fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit that lives, wherever I go, would have a touch from you. As we reach out and surrender, I pray that those who are thirsty be filled again to overflowing that rivers of living water would flow from you. Some of you are dry right now and thirsty. Here's my encouragement. Reach out in fresh surrender and invite God's presence to touch your life. Some of you, the dry season needs to end. And I prophesy right now, new growth, is coming by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And it will begin from that place of surrender. As I was preparing, I just felt God say, there are people just a bit dry. And they're wondering, I've, I've really got, a, I've only got enough to survive my week day to day. How on earth could I ever be a blessing to someone else? Well, not in our own effort we can't, but with the power of the Holy Spirit filling us afresh, rivers, of living water, not trickles, not the odd sprinkle. Rivers of living water could flow from within us. 
And I know there are people you're saying, I'm dry. Well, let's surrender our lives afresh and ask the Holy Spirit to touch our lives that rivers of living water could begin to flow again. And I prophesy for some of you, fruitfulness is coming again in this season of your life. I feel like there are people here, you think, I've missed my moment. I said at the start, it's too late for me. It's a new generation's turn. No, we never stop being fruitful while we're breathing. God has a plan and a purpose for all of us. And the rivers of living water are not dictated by age or stage of life, but by a love for God, a surrender to Jesus Christ, and an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And you have not missed your moment, but we need to reach out again in great surrender. I'm being naughty and going on much longer than I said I would. So this morning, we're going to sing the song, I Surrender. told you there were two parts to this message. I want us to stand and sing this and let it be a cry in your heart that would come into a new season of fruitfulness in the Holy Spirit. If you've been saved two days, two years, 20 years, or all of your life, I say we need this on a daily basis. Lord, I surrender to you. Fill me afresh that I might have rivers of living water flow out of my life wherever I go. Let's stand. Make this a declaration in your life again today. Lord, I surrender.